0: Welcome to the undercurrent podcast. I'm your host, Liana Lumawig, life coach, surfer, and ex corporate girl living in Bali. I've been in unfulfilling jobs and relationships that used to drain my energy and confidence to the point where I was miserable. If you can relate, this podcast is for you. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to stay stuck and settle for anything less than what makes you happy. You can choose how to work, love, and live on your terms, and this podcast will show you how. Let's dive in. I want you to picture this. You're in your car in the middle of Market Street in San Francisco at 5 p.m. on a Friday, and you're stuck in traffic. It's jam-packed everywhere you look. Even the sidewalks are full of people, but everybody around you is walking faster than you're driving. You're tired, hungry, exhausted from a busy week, and yet there are still so many things on your to-do list that need attention. It never ends. But suddenly you get a break. The light turns green and you finally make your way out of the city and onto the freeway. And after a few miles, you take an exit that leads you towards the woods. You park your car, you get out, and you walk towards an open path. It's golden hour in the middle of the forest. The sunlight is warm and welcoming. It peeks through the tree branches in perfectly parsed rays. You can hear the leaves crunch on the ground as you step, the birds chirping and the sound of water peacefully passing through in a creek nearby. You take a deep breath and take in the minty, sweet, and refreshing scent of pine. In this moment, nothing else occupies your mind. You are completely present with yourself and your surroundings. This is what a mindfulness practice does for me. It takes me away from the busyness of the world my should-do's, have-to-do's, want-to-do's, and creates space for me to gain clarity on what my real priorities are and helps me focus on what really matters. I've been practicing mindfulness off and on for years, and I've taken courses and learned various methods. And the practice I've gotten the most benefit from is Vipassana meditation. So Vipassana is an ancient Buddhist tradition and it's gained popularity in the 70s when SN Guenka, the teacher, started teaching it in the 70s and the way that it's taught worldwide. So what Vipassana means is to see things as they really are. And it's a way to heal and transform yourself through observing your mind. It focuses on the interconnection between your mind and your body, which can be experienced by focusing on the physical sensations in your body that sends feedback to your brain, kind of like a feedback loop between the mind and the body. They have courses all around the world that vary from three days to three months. But if you're new to the practice, you start with a 10-day course, which involves a minimum amount of 10 hours of meditation each day. So I did my first 10-day sitting a couple of years ago, Uh, I completed a three-day refresher last month and just returned from the meditation center this morning where I volunteered as a server. And I've gotten so much from all of these three experiences. And here's the impact of what this practice has had on me recently. So the things that I started doing was meditating consistently for two to three hours a day, which is crazy because I had a practice of maximum, maybe doing 20 to 30 minutes per day, if I got to meditate. And since my refresher, I've been consistently doing it, which I'm surprised by it, it's actually not that hard. Another thing that I started doing was prioritizing my self care. So I'm spending a lot more time focusing on my needs and worrying less about what other people might need from me. And this includes my partner, Mario. Since coming back from the refresher course, I you know, had a talk with Mario and suggested that we have certain days that are focused for ourselves. So on two nights a week, Mario and I are going to do our own thing. So we don't do dinner together. Sometimes we don't even sleep together. We can work as late as we want to. We can take personal time for ourselves. You can watch anything you want to, whatever it is that you want to do. It's just me time on these two nights and there are also certain days that we plan on doing things together and it's really given us the space to focus on what we need for ourselves on the days where we spend time on just for ourselves and then on the days where we do have scheduled hangout times or prioritize our relationship time. It's given us a lot more quality time. It's built closeness between us two. And it's really meaningful, the time that we do spend together. So it sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Setting time away from each other to get closer, but that's what's working for us. And what Mario said, as he's noticing me get more grounded, he feels more grounded within himself and in our relationship. So as a couple, we're becoming stronger. Another thing that I started doing were a couple of things that take me out of my comfort zone that are also fun. So one of them is joining Toastmasters again. I have a passion for public speaking, and I used to be really afraid of it. I used to be really nervous about speaking in public. And the couple of times that I've gone recently, I've volunteered to do impromptu speeches. Where I'm completely unprepared and I have to do a speech just from a prompt at random. So I've been doing that, which has been really enjoyable. And I also signed up for a stand up comedy workshop. So currently I'm working on a set and plan to get on stage to do a stand up comedy bit, which has been something that was on my bucket list for a long time. And it's something that I never thought I would do. It was like, Parked on my list to say, yeah, wouldn't it be fun to do a stand up comedy bit? But it's actually happening. It's actually a bucket list item that's in progress. So overall, I'm doing things that bring peace and joy and excitement in my life. And I've got a lot more self love, self trust, and I feel more grounded within myself. So those are the things that I started doing. There are some things that I stopped doing. So Here are some things that I stopped doing. I stopped spending time on my phone and using social media as much. It's made a huge difference for me mentally and emotionally. I'm not mindlessly scrolling as much or wasting time on Instagram. I put my phone on airplane mode at night and sometimes I don't access my phone or the internet until afternoon. I stopped overworking and am more intentional about stopping my screen time hours before bed so i like to you know turn on airplane mode like at 8 or 9 and then meditate for an hour then go to bed i don't jam pack my days as much so an old pattern of mine that comes up from time to time is to pack as much stuff as i can into one day so i like to do all the things in one day like go to the gym work have coffee catch-ups with friends, do random appointments, lunch dates, work some more. And recently, I've been intentionally putting space in my planner to do nothing. Like I literally have on my calendar, do nothing appointments or read for fun, which is something really new. I've stopped being as reactive. So this is something that I've been, you know, getting pretty good at and improving but Mario said that he's noticed an even bigger difference since my last retreat. And I stopped caring about things that aren't mine to care about. So if I have a weird interaction with someone that I just met somewhere, like at the gym or a cafe in the past, maybe I try and say something to buffer and make it less awkward. Now I'm like, Oh, well, I don't have to say anything or do anything. It can be awkward. And it's only awkward if I let it be awkward. So if they want to say something that's cool, I'll respond, but I don't need to spend more energy on small things like that because that energy adds up. I've also gotten a lot of questions about what the actual physical experience is like at a Vipassana retreat. And it's pretty similar everywhere you go. So if you're a new student, like I said earlier, the only option that you have to do is a a 10 day course which is where you learn how to practice the style of Vipassana meditation. When you arrive, you check in, you hand in your phone and other things on the forbidden items lists like books, journals, other devices, or things that can take you away from your meditation experience. So really just be prepared to meditate, eat, sleep, listen to lectures, and that's it. Men and women have separate living and eating quarters. And we all join together in the meditation hall. So in the meditation hall, you have your own assigned cushion where you'll be meditating the entire 10 days. Like that's where you'll be. The accommodations vary. So in Myanmar, where I did my first sitting, I had a roommate. So we shared a room and we had an ensuite bath that we shared. I got lucky with my roommate, Maithane, because we hit it off and are still really close and keep in touch frequently. We even got to see each other in Switzerland last Christmas. And here in Bali, it's a little different. So in the meditation retreat center here, they have private quarters. So you don't share rooms, but you have a communal bathroom where there's like five bathroom stalls and you share that. I've also heard of dorm-like accommodations at other places. So each place you go, the accommodations might vary got a lot of questions about what the schedule is like and the schedule is you know pretty demanding so at 4am there's a wake up bell and typically it's a gong and someone hits a gong all around the meditation center and then at 4:30 to 6:30 you meditate in the meditation hall from 6:30 to 8am you have breakfast and you rest and then you meet in the meditation hall again from 8 to 11, where you'll meditate and meet with a teacher. From 11 a.m. to 1 is lunch and rest time. And then from 1 to 5, it's meditation again and sitting. From 5 to 6, you have tea time, which is basically tea and maybe some fruit, but not a full meal. So you only have two full meals in a day, breakfast and lunch. From 6 to 7, there's a meditation. From 7 to 8.15, there's a lecture where you'll learn more about the process and Buddhist teachings. From 8.30 to 9, you'll do another meditation. And then at 10, it's lights out. So as you can see, if you're in bed at 10, you wake up at 4, that's 6 hours of sleep. But if you can get to bed, like shortly after 9, you can get that extra hour. So it's basically sitting for like 12 hours a day and meditating for over 10 hours a day. And, you know, for some people, it might sound easy, right? You're just sitting, you're not working out, you're not going anywhere. It's pretty easy, right? But it's actually pretty demanding from the get-go. So physically, your back hurts, your hips hurt, your knees hurt, everything hurts sitting for that long. And you're tired from waking up at 4 a.m. every day and out of your normal rhythm of life. And no matter what age you are, this makes you feel old real fast. Mentally, it's hard too because you get bored. You get frustrated because you can't focus. You don't know if you're doing it right. Things come up in your mind that aren't pleasant at all. For me, in the beginning of my experiences, I notice that there's so much more random busy stuff that pops up in my mind at the beginning of the courses and I'm like sitting there really like that TV show or that thing that happened when I was young all of these random things come up and it gives me an awareness of what's usually happening and swirling around in my head 24/7 but now that I'm giving space to it I'm noticing what's always there but with each passing day Your mind gets more still. So it is a silent meditation retreat, which means that throughout the whole course, you're supposed to be in noble silence, which means that there's no interaction with anyone at the retreat, not even eye contact. It's tough at first, but it gets easier as the days go by. And when you are allowed to talk again, it's super weird to hear your voice again. So the lectures are exactly the same anywhere you do your sitting around the world. There are audio and video lectures directly from the founder of this style of Vipassana, S. N. Guenca. I had some questions about how much it costs. You know what I find really cool about Vipassana? It's 100% donation-based. So you go for free, essentially. And you pay it forward for someone else to attend with your donation. So you can pay as little or as much as you like. And that's how it is everywhere in the world. And lastly, I had some friends asking if I would go again. And my answer, throughout the process each time, I hit a point where it got really hard. And I told myself I would never come back again. But always at the end, I changed my mind. So it's a journey and you've got to complete it to make the call. So if you decide to go, just commit to finishing the course before you decide anything or make any judgments. So as you can see, I'm a big fan of mindfulness and practicing Vipassana. It's really helped me improve all areas of my life. And the biggest area specifically is the relationship with myself, which is vastly improved. So, I wholeheartedly recommend doing this if you're curious and ready to take on a program as demanding and time consuming as this is. But if that's not where you're at right now, there are so many different mindfulness practices that you can do on your own, even if it's just for a few minutes a day. So, if you're curious and have more questions about the Vipassana or mindfulness practices in general, go ahead and send us a DM at the Undercurrent Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Undercurrent Podcast. If we're not yet connected on Instagram, give me a follow at Leanna Lumawig and at The Undercurrent Podcast. For more tips on how to design your life on your terms, or if you'd like to reach out, visit leannalumawig.com, or you can always DM me on Instagram at The Undercurrent Podcast. Take care, my friends, and see you next week.